Content warning. This interview contains discussions of child abuse, labor exploitation, and sensitive topics related to the FLDS community. Viewer discretion is advised. Our intention is to educate and empower while respecting the survivor's bravery in sharing their experiences. Hello everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for almost nine years, have two awesome kids. And our mission on this channel here is to create compassion for communities that are misunderstood, marginalized, and or abused by their leaders, as well as empower those who've left, like Sam, by helping them give them a platform to share their stories with the world. Yes, and thank you all so much for being back with us today. We are excited to introduce our guest today. We have the Black family. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. We are so excited. If you have not seen part one of Jeff and Ernest's story, then please click the link above. You definitely want to see what's leading to this awesome interview that we've been so excited for and so grateful that they're willing to come forth and share their experiences. Yes, uh, it's important information that needs to be out there because of what has happened in the FLDS community, which we've covered a lot of that, but also some things that are still happening within the FLDS community. And it's just not okay. Some of the things these people are going through is not okay. And it is time to voice what is going on and let the world know that uh, there needs to be some changes. Yeah, so we're so grateful that Jeff and Ernest's son, Kyle, is here with us today to share what it was like to be a child that was abused and marginalized and all of those things by the people that were supposed to be protecting him under the guise of religion. So thanks so much for being here, Kyle. I know it can be a lot, but we're very grateful for you to give voices to those children. They need it for sure. Yeah, yeah. we appreciate it so much. So in the first video, we kind of left off where Jeff and Ernie, you guys were talking about Warren Jeffs had kicked you out from your family. You had had to place your children. And at that time, how many children? We have eight. Eight children. You would place them in a different home, in one with people that you believed were to be trusted and that would take care of your children. You guys are sent away, but still have to be separated. And you guys have the hope that you're going to be able to return back to your community, to your faith. And back to your children. All right. At this yes. point, you're leaving. You guys are finding an apartment. What are the next steps that you're taking to try to reclaim your family and be able to go back to your community? Well, first off, that we were told that they would be very much protected. Jeff could probably tell you. So that. I actually got a an appointment to go see Lyle before during the two week period as we were preparing. And one of the things that I talked about was I told him, I said, I have seen children being abused in this situation and I do not want my children abused. And he just told me that under no uncertain terms that they would not be abused. He said that they would be treated as if they were his own children and would be well taken care of. And he said, and if there is any abuse, I will make sure you will get a phone call and you will be given the opportunity to do something different with your children, place them under another caretaker or somehow do something different so that we can stop the abuse and there won't be any abuse. He made absolute solemn, sacred, priesthood promises that they would never be abused or else I would be know about it and would be able to do something about it. Wow. 
Okay. Trying to get rid of you, in my opinion. He's just saying whatever he can to get rid of you. I have the same opinion, absolutely. Yeah. So this whole time, you assume that your kids, your children, were in perfect hands, being well taken care of, and you had you, you had no reason to be concerned. Is that correct? Because of what you were told? I, exactly, which is why I made that special effort to go and talk to him about this. This was extremely important to me. I, having suffered some abuse myself growing up as a child, and was determined my kids were not going to suffer any abuse. And so I was trying as a to be a good dad and make sure that never happened to them. But unfortunately, what Lyle said didn't mean anything because as we found out nearly two years later, our children suffered every kind of abuse that possibly could happen. You, you can imagine the type of abuse, it happened to them, unfortunately. Oh now taking a step back before we kind of go into your process as parents, being out. Kyle, first of all, what was it like for you growing up when you did have both your parents in the home? It was pretty good. We didn't go to school, um, but I got to hang out with my cousin. He was pretty much my best friend. I didn't know really anybody else besides my relatives, so I hang out with him a lot. I remember um, one time where it was winter and we were having a snowball with the neighbor, snowball fight with the neighbors, and we were losing, and then dad comes out and he the neighbors threw a snowball at him, and so he grabs it and he throws it back, and then we started winning. <laughs> so, so a pretty good childhood in your memories when your when your family was around. Did, did did you feel like there was a lot of pressure being put on your parents to live a certain way and and to, to raise you a certain way? I didn't really know. To me, it was normal. I was born into that sort of lifestyle, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. How old were you when they got sent away together? And you're going, what What were you told and who were you told it by? Was it your parents that got to tell you that you were going to They be just told me that the church had to send them away. They didn't, they didn't have a reason. You know, I didn't get, really get a reason. They just got sent away. And how old were you? Like eight or nine. Eight or nine. Wow, so you were very young still. What was, or what was the age ranges? So you have eight children. A, ranging from what ages? The youngest was six or five and a half. The oldest was 20. Was she 21? 20 or 21. 21. 21. Okay. And did you all get to be placed in the same house? Yeah. So originally, when my daughter was 21, we asked her to be the care over the children. But then when they kicked us out, we were out of the picture. They took that from her. Oh, so really? the power took over the children you, as so much did, as they could. She didn't really let yeah. them. She was trying to keep us together as best as she could. Good for her. And yeah, she was pretty much raised us, but obviously she couldn't protect us. Well, they, they took tried, all... just basically could try to keep us together. They took all power from her. They took all vehicles. They took money. They took her phones. They took... they And then they were locking them in... I don't know if all of the time, but there's part of the time they were locking them in rooms and mm. locking and them away. So she had no communication other than just her caretaker over her. So to put it in the words so, of my older children, um, my oldest daughter included, they told me that they said, Dad, it was absolutely night and day difference between living with you as parents and what we went through after you were gone. And that is 
when we lived with you, you gave us confidence. You extended that confidence to us. And, and, and she says, Dad, I, I didn't dare break that confidence because I'm just this young teenage girl and you gave me so much confidence that I, I never wanted to disappoint you in that. And on the other side of it, when you're gone, they took everything away, treated us like we were um, criminals and they had to force us and make us be these good people. And when on the other hand, you just said, hey, I know you're good. I'm going to give you this confidence. You're a good person and I, I trust you. And, the, and on the flip side, they didn't trust us with anything. We were just criminals and we were going to do wrong no matter what. They had to force us to do right. What were your first memories, Kyle, of being moved into that home and like, Kind of the experience there it was okay i you know i they were being pretty friendly i figured you know it's going to be okay everybody seemed pretty nice i only met them once before we just moved in you know and the the main thing that was different for me is the my parents were a little less strict about class you know if we we didn't want to go we didn't have to right but when when we when they left it was I actually have a schedule here of the class. The, it was a lot more class, and when I say class, basically brainwashing you. Okay, so so class taught like scriptures, probably reading sermons from Warren Jeffs, and, and I was just going to ask. I was like, what did what did a class what did a class entail for you, Kyle? Um, give me a sec. I actually have a schedule. So, but uh, they, my daughter told me they were immediately called in and set up a new set of rules that were completely yeah. different. Exactly, what they way, way stricter. So class would start at 4.30. In the morning? A.M.? A.M., 4.30 A.M. Wow. Prayers, meetings for kids, tending kids up. Oh, kids have to be up before 5. Before 5. Wow. This was right, so my 5-year-old also. So Rona had to get up at 4 to get us up. And we preferred her to get us up because if it wasn't her... It was either Laura or Rachel, they would grab our feet or just yank us out of bed or they would just yank our covers off and say, get up. Oh my and keep in mind, when you go to bed, it's like 8 p.m. You know, it's just repeat. You get really tired and so you want to you wanna sleep in, but you, you can't. Or If you sleep in and you miss class, you don't get breakfast. Very, very, very strict schedule. And on it's top of that... Early then you could you could be sent to your room and not even get breakfast on all day. Just oh, wow. lock you up in your room like a jail cell. Did you get bathroom privileges? No, they thought we'd escape. You can't go to the bathroom, it's your excuse to get away. All day That's long. what they told us. And so, that would just be for missing a class or was that like a common punishment for lots of different things? For miss for all all different things. If we did something bad they would lock us in our rooms. Or any interpretation of bad. Like yeah, for exactly. instance, of my course, youngest yeah. one time um, I'm told that he said, you're not my mother. And so he was thrown in his room for that. And when he talked to the caretaker, to Matthew, then he said, well, all I was doing was saying the truth that, well, you're not my mother because you're, she's not my mother. And he's like, oh, okay. And, and, you know, this was extremely rare. And so he got to get out of his room because he was just stating fact. And somebody actually listened to him once, but that was very rare for them to even ask or even listen. Wow. So basically we had class from 4 clear to 7 and then after that at, tw at 12 o'clock we had pre 
priesthood history, and then at two o'clock we had prayer, hourly prayers. We had to we had, during all this we had to stop and pray every single hour. Did you just stop and do in the middle of what you were doing, or did you meet up and did you have to meet up as like a group, or just do it individually? Individually, you could okay. do either, but mostly individually. Wow. And none of these classes included like any um, normal form of education, reading, writing, arithmetic. No, it was all religious. It was things. all obey the prophet. He always does right. He, he can't do anything wrong. He's like God. You gotta obey him no matter what. He knows what's best for you. We say obedience was probably the main thing told to you. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's the main thing taught. Obedience. Even before I went, yes. Yeah. Obedience too. Sundays. Sundays were different, okay? Sundays we didn't get breakfast, we didn't get lunch. We we it was fasting because that's what the prophet does. He would say, you could you could live on morsels, basically crumbs. That's what he would say. And so you gotta fast every Sunday. And not only that, we had way more class on Sunday. It more basically than what you just described pretty much class all day until dinner. That was Sunday. Wow. I mean that's one way to indoctrinate somebody. Just have them have it forced in, forced on them all day, all day every almost day. every day. And the more the older you are, the the more you have to get up early and go to bed late, basically, so they can keep them in line. So what? What about the middle opinion. kids? What about the younger? I mean, you were only eight. What about your little brothers? Same schedule for them. So no matter the age. What if they wiggled in class? I mean, no if you way. wiggled in class, you would get your ear pulled. You would get your hair pulled. You would you would get sent to your room probably all day with no food or water or bathroom breaks because you were going to escape. And this was all being forced upon you and done by your caretakers at the time, or by the bishop, by the caretaker, by Lola, by Matthew, by all of them. It, there was shit that was happening from Lola and Rachel. We would we would tell our caretaker and say he didn't do anything. Because basically he was a part of it is what I think. What what at this time did they tell you about your parents? Did they did they talk about your parents to you? Did they talk about what they had done? Did they try to make up like what were you being told at that time at eight years old? My parents were bad, wicked people. You're never gonna see them again. They're not your parents anymore. We're your parents. If you ever speak about them again, you're gonna go to your room for like for a whole day, you're gonna get punished. Don't speak about them. They're not your parents. Wow. They're gone. I cried for two days after they left, and they didn't give a shit. On top of that, I was I had a new schedule, class schedule, like I mentioned. They didn't give a shit. Some of the children got punished for crying. Get punished for crying in class. You're interrupting class. It's God's class. Oh my goodness. So they were. From the get-go, they were pitting you against your parents. They, Didn't work, but yeah. They, they, they were trying. They were trying to immediately uh, turn you against them, and to the to the point that if your parents would have come to your home at that or at the home you were staying in at that time, you probably wouldn't have, or a lot of people probably wouldn't have run to their parents because of the what. I would have been scared to lose my salvation. Yeah, I would have been scared to talk to them. But it wouldn't have stopped me. I didn't give a shit. I, you know, he seen enough abuse at that point. He was just like, I'm on. And that wasn't the worst of it. That really wasn't. That was that was the start. Tip of the iceberg. That that was the beginning. Yeah. Now, did you stay with the same family for the entire time that you were separated from your parents? There was two families, and we stayed with one. It turns out they were the worst. So we moved to another house in the same city, 
basically what I think is trying to move so they don't know where we're at. Mm. And I remember one time we were outside playing in the yard and we got called into dishes by Rachel. So there's Lola. Rachel's her daughter and she is the muscle. She's She's like a wild bobcat on steroids, pissed <laughs> off. It's a vivid description, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, wow. and so she would chase you around the yard, you know, hit you so, over the head, all kinds of stuff to get you to do what she wanted. And I remember one, I was running from her with my brothers. We didn't want to do the dishes. Like, okay, we had to do the dish. We had to do dishes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We had to do all the dishes. Of that for every time we ate we did dishes and that's a ton I don't know if people understand too at that time how many people were what in a home means, yeah what that means for an eight-year-old to do dishes how many people probably I guess roughly 30 35 so when you're saying doing dishes just to put in perspective for our viewers it's not like a family of four four plates four forks <laughs> we're talking meals for 30 people and the eight-year-olds doing the dishes for that breakfast so lunch and dinner multiple hours doing the cleanup and the dishes and that basically doing the dishes for the whole the whole prison basically did the parent did the adults in the house help you do the dishes well yeah they had to oh okay so they the caretaker had several families that were over the bishops over the caretaker the bishop talks to the prophet the prophet is basically god so when you were running away from trying to get out of doing the dishes so i was running away um my see my brother was running he, he tripped and then he got up and he had a watch and she smashed his watch he was trying to pound him he used his watch to block it it was a watch his parents got him so it was special too but um i was running away it pissed him off they pinned me to the ground slammed me on the ground i had a headache for like two days picked me up threw me in the house and made me do the dishes just constant constant physical abuse well and not to mention the the mental abuse that was going on the whole time, convincing you that if you did anything wrong, that you would be severely punished. Exactly, and they would. They would severely punish you if you did anything wrong. Was there ever a time that you thought, okay, it maybe it's better to go to hell with my parents than be here? Or at a, such a young age, was it still just so indoctrinated of... Salvation's I would have preferred fun. to be dumped in the Arctic, like you said in the first episode, than and be there. Wow. Did they let you have access to your parents' phone numbers or any way if you wanted to reach out to your parents? We didn't We didn't have phones. Phones were bad. Phones were evil. You're going to hell if you touch a phone. If you touch a screen, if you ever look at the TV or get on the internet, you're going to hell. You're going to be punished. It was what I was raised with, but uh, a lot of physical abuse and a lot more strict, it sounds like. So just... Well, but not by your parents. And, and not by... Oh my gosh. There's... So yeah, it's just, it's hard to even imagine. I'm trying to like connect the dots of how bad this was for you. Did you ever just actually try to run away completely? Just get out of the situation? I mean, I guess you were so young. What was I going to do? I didn't know anybody. All I knew was the church. I didn't know how to run away. I didn't know how to cock. I didn't know how to f dial a phone number in a phone. Yeah. So my oldest daughter, even though she was of age, she's 21, and she literally got them and ran away with them a couple of different times. But just like she said, she had no means to get a phone or to, what could she do? She had to turn around and go take them back. She had no money, no food, no, no shelter, physical. no, they had no she going to take, take care of these yeah. kids. We left them with no resources at all. 
We all left. way would have been to get a phone was to call Lyle or Matthew or somebody above you mm -hmm. and try to get a phone. And of course, they weren't going to give you a phone. They're part of the damn thing in the first place. They want you to be trapped. We left them with vehicles too, but they took the vehicles away. And then they weren't educating people. So as a young boy growing up, Kyle, I imagine you didn't feel like you could even go out and try to do anything. I didn't know anybody. All I knew was my family and my cousins. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I didn't know independence. Yeah, it's, that, it's so young. Like it's easy, you know. I guess I, I should ask, how long was this type of living going on? I guess I should ask that before. Because it started when you were eight years old, but how long did it continue on? For about two years, I think. Oh, okay. And the, so we, what happened is we moved. So I'm sure my siblings have a lot of other stories at this house and different houses, but I'm just going to stick with my story. So, and basically tell the worst parts. So we moved um, to another house. I think it was like... Probably, I'm guessing a month or a half, month and a half we lived there, maybe two. And then we moved to another house, and it, it's gradually getting worse. Peanut's having more control over us. She's, she's being abusive, you know. She's figuring out ways to do it more. And so we move uh, to a different house. What was, was the moving around? Like my daughter mentioned that every time they reached out to get help, then suddenly they'd be moved to another home. I mean, I'm not trying I, I, That's probably so, but I wouldn't know, like I said, because I was so young. Anyway, and I remember one time, then I was out in the yard. The, so there was like a glass window, and then there was a kitchen. Oh, okay, we had to, we had to go do storehouse work. We basically, slave labor. That, that, that's what it was, slave labor. Okay, we'd, we'd, do, we'd go harvest grapes plant grapes, all kinds of stuff. And our caretaker, Matthew, had a grape field he would make us work at. And mm -hmm. so, and we didn't want to go, because obviously we didn't get paid, and you know. And so, I remember Lola's kids, I heard them screaming uh, one time, and I was outside. And so I came running to, the, to see what was up, because I was scared, I know how she is. She, she, like I said, she's like a bobcat on steroids, so. You know, I'm, I'm scared for him. I go, I look through the window, and she grab, she has him by the hair. They're screaming, like being dragged across the floor by their hair. And that, that another kid is laying on the ground, like unconscious, like they've been hit over the head. And they're like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to do the storehouse work or whatever, basically slave labor work. So you said that, just barely said that Lola was like a bobcat on steroids, and you I mean, said that I mean, um, Rachel was before, and then you've talked about Peanut. So who is Peanut, who is Rachel, and were Lola and Rachel both like bobcats on steroids? Or I meant to say Rachel. So Rachel was the worst. She was like mm -hmm. muscle, like I said. Lola was over her. She told her what to do. Mm -hmm. So you, So you're saying that it was um, Rachel or Peanut that... Looked like Rachel. she bopped somebody on the head and was dragging somebody by yes, the hair. Yes, it was Rachel. Rachel and Peanut is the same person. Okay. Okay, so, so Lola is the person over uh, Rachel, and Rachel was the immediate caretaker, or were they both caretakers of the same house? So Rachel's over me, Lola's over her, Matthew's over Lola. And, okay, and do you think, because I mean, awful this, I mean, this, what you were mentioning is just awful that, that children are, and kids are dealing with this. 
Do you think that Matthew and maybe even the bishop at the time knew of this kind of abuse that was going on? 110%. Wow. And they did Definitely. nothing about we it? We called hundreds, to hundreds of times to report stuff, and they said, yeah, we'll fix it. We'll make it great. We'll make it awesome. You know what? They didn't do anything. They didn't care. Can I ask you something? Did you um, document any of this stuff that had been happening to you? Do you know of any of your brothers or sisters that have documented any Every of this? Every single one of us, besides the youngest, have journals. You could prob, you could feel that you know there's a stack that tall of books of evidence of what happened, and the police have not done one thing. We turned it in. We've we've contacted all kinds of people to try to get justice and nobody cares. Nobody will do anything. Now you said that there was multiple families that these caretakers were in charge of, right? So you and your eight siblings, and then how many other families? One, there was two families, well, three count us. So there was Marie and her kids, but they were older. They were like- Adults, most of them? Yeah. Okay. Dad, all, all of them were over 18, all of her kids. And then, so yours was the only one with small children, like children? Yeah. And there was a list of, of caretakers. Basically, the children had to be tended and watched at all times to make sure they didn't do anything bad. And Rachel was on that list. And I remember dreading the day when she would tend us because, you know, obviously I didn't like her. She was abusive. My goodness. I, it's common to hear of men abusing children and women and that, right? But this is, a, it seems like most of the abuse in your story was actually done by women. Yes. That is. And, and I'd like to ask this, do you know how old Rachel was at the time? 20 something, I think. Wow. She probably didn't have any children of her own, or did she? No. No. I hope she never does. <laughs> I hope, I, I hope Lola kid, Lola's kids get some help. They're being abused today, probably. And nobody's done anything. That's the main thing that needs to happen is they need to get some help for her kids. So can I ask you, where were you? Were you in Short Creek? Colorado City, Colorado Hill, City, area? yeah. You were. Okay. So you weren't, you didn't go to, to Colorado State or uh, North Dakota? Oh, okay. That's coming. Okay. Yeah. So I called Matthew one day and I was just pissed off about all the stuff was happening. You know, I wanted to get out, so I'm like, hey, can we move to Colorado? I, but somebody had planned the idea that, yeah, you should ask him to move to Colorado. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask him. Mm. Maybe I'll get out of this shit. You know, Marie sucks. You know, maybe Lowell's better than Marie. And so I, he said, yeah. And so we moved to Colorado from Short Creek. And it, you know, it was pretty good. It was a first. Everybody was there. You know, our cousin was there, so she didn't dare do anything. So, you know, it was pretty good compared to what I've been going through. And then the second that everybody left, it's just right back. It, it got worse. It got even worse. Yeah, I remember one time that... So, when you say everybody left, there were people that came up and helped people, Yeah, there, was, there were people that came help us move in. And that's when it was good. And then since they left, then it got a lot worse. Okay. And quickly, at this point... Um, Jeff and Erna, did you guys know that the kids had been moved to Colorado? Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No contact. No, no contact. contact. Okay. So they're moved out of state without your knowledge. Just and we'd also, yes. yeah, call and ask for updates or ask how our children are do were doing. Leave all we could do is leave messages on the bishop's line because that's all mm -hmm. we had, and mm -hmm. we never got a call back. Never. never. They would tell us your parents are as good as dead. You better forget them. 
they're never coming back. You're never going to see them again. And wow. we, we were writing letters on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. We were sending in our tithing. We were doing leaving messages on the phone. We were trying to do everything that we possibly could to get back with our kids because we were told we were going to get a phone call in a couple of months and we'll get them yeah, back. Yeah, we were told, you know, it would be only two months. I mean, that was bad enough to anticipate, leaving them with my daughter for two months. Which obviously and getting them back never, at all. Yeah, it was never in the plan. Obviously, so. we were never going to be called again. So Kyle, you're in Colorado and things are starting to get bad again because you, you do still have the same caretakers, right? So they were taken with you. You're under the same caretakers. How long are you in Colorado for? I pretty much I don't about a year, I'm guessing. But so they we got there and they started uh, they were trying to get us to go to school. So they they set up school. We had to go to school every morning after class. School which was and was homeschool. Yeah. Okay. And so they were teaching us. Honestly, I didn't really learn anything from it. And I remember one day, then me and my brother were were sitting there in school, and Peanut got pissed off for whatever reason, and she started yelling at us. And so their strategy for our older sister to protect us was she would try to say something to piss off Peanut, to make the anger towards her, so she'd be pissed off at her instead of us. And so she did that because she saw us getting yelled at in school. And so Peanut came flying over with a pair of scissors, and like it. She's like, I'm going to f*** Billy. She was grabbing. Lloyd uh, held her back because Arana started videoing, and that's what pissed her off. She was trying to video the abuse to get some evidence to try to do something. And so that's what pissed her off. She's like, I'm going to kill you. She gets a pair of scissors, and she throws it at her. She's like, I'm going to stab your eye out. You know? So now you have and two Lola's holding her, So Lola's physically holding her back. She's crawling, trying to get her like a wild cat. Oh, my God. To attack. Young kid. Yeah, she wanted to murder. She she would have murdered right there. And you caught this on video. What happened? This was on video. What happened? We turned the video into Matthew, and he deleted it. Wow. So Matthew saw the video, the evidence, very clearly. And Matthew probably had direct contact with who would have been above Matthew. Lyle. Lyle. So the bishop of the church. So here's the chance for the bishop to find out about abuse, and I'll get this phone call right. Wrong. I never got one. Now tell our viewers, because a lot of people don't understand, as a child being raised in the FLDS, what was your idea or thoughts towards police? You know, because you hear that in the outside world, people know that, you know, I could take this to the police and maybe get help. And as children, I, I mean, obviously we know the answer to this, but can you tell our viewers, what were you taught about the police, whether or not you could go to them for help? What were you talking about them in general? Police were bad. They told us if you go to the police, if you tell anybody what's happening, you'll be ripped. You'll never see your parents again. They're, they'll go to jail, you know. They, they told them that, if I, I understand what my daughter told me, they told them that if they went to the police for help, the police would turn around and lay it on the parents forever. Exactly. Walking away. We but we did not walk away for our children to be put in abuse. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to point out at this point right here for the viewers to, to go research on your own and see if that I'm wrong. But every in almost every circumstance of child trafficking or abuse like of this nature, this is the pattern of the abusers and the traffickers is that they will 
do and say things like this to trap the children so they will be helpless and not be able to get the help. They'll cover their bases so that they, the children will not have the ability to go to the police or someone who can help them because this bad stuff will happen to you. Or if you do, then something bad will happen to one of your siblings. Right. This is how they are trafficked and stopped from getting the help and they're able to continue to abuse them and continue to do their terrible program on them. Actually, I actually forgot um, another instance of abuse, so I'm going to back up. So it was the third house that we moved to where I saw the same one I was looking through the window and I saw him getting dragged. So my, my brother, he had a hammer, right, that they had, he, dad had bought him for you know, and so he kept it because it was sentimental and he was building a tree house with it. Peanut didn't like that, that didn't like that it was it was a treasure, it was something from his dad. And so she, she tried to steal it and she was like, give me the hammer, you, you know, you don't deserve that, your parents are dead anyway, that, you know, you never see him again, so give that to me, you know, it's mine, I want it. And so she tried to took it from him and obviously he, he, he didn't want it stolen and so he ran down the cell. How old was he? You were eight. He, he would have been like, like nine. nine. Twenty-two-year-old woman fighting a nine-year-old boy for something yeah. sentimental, for a hammer. And so he, I, I watched him from, because basically the sailor was down on the ground. So she was trying to steal the hammer from him. Um, she was on top of him, grabbing the hammer. Um, the, the, keep in mind. Okay, I, when this was happening, I screamed. I said, Arana, you know, somebody, go get somebody. Rachel's killing Kendrick. And so she, and Marie, actually Marie got there. Marie gets her camera and starts videoing. Jeez. Filming instead of helping? And Rachel grabs the hammer, is trying to hit him with the damn thing. He's sitting there. Keep in mind, he's, he's 10, he's an 8-year-old kid sitting there trying to block, not die by a hammer. And, and which end of the hammer? Is it the claw end? The, the it's hand? a claw end. She, she gets a claw and tries hitting in with the hammer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how, how did he survive? I mean, what happens? And so she, she sees that somebody's video. She pulls him on top and then Arana goes flying in there and pulls him apart and gets her off him. And so when the evidence is turned in, then she, she tells the caretaker, yeah, he tried to rape me. He climbed on top and tried to rape me. He's a 10-year-old kid and she's 21. She's trying to, there's, it's obviously not the truth, right? There's a video of it. And so what they do is they go ahead and punish Kendrick. It said, yeah, you go into your, your room for three days. You tried to do this. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And on his account of it, then I'm like, did you get restroom? He said, no. I'm like, well, what did you they do? He said, escape. you wait until nobody sees and just jump out the window and hide behind the bushes for a minute and jump back in. I mean, with the risk of getting caught again mm -hmm. and another three day sentence of no food or water. What did they, they had no food or water. What did they expect them to do for the restroom? Did they expect them to go to the restroom in the corner of their bedroom? They didn't. If they would have done they that, care. they would have been more severely punished. Right. In your damn pants, they didn't care. Human feelings were gone. Oh my goodness. I, didn't, I had no idea that it was this. Uh, I mean, I knew that they, were, that they were treating them poorly, but I thought it was like more mental, like forcing them to, to think certain ways and do certain things. I didn't realize how physical it was. So when we were in Colorado City, um, we, we were going to, we were sleeping in class because we were so tired 
And Marie didn't like that. And so she went and got really hard chairs. She's like, I'm going to get bad chairs so you can't sleep anymore. And so, you know, we slept anyway, but she's trying to get us from sleeping. And, you know, we're sleep deprived. And class is so boring, who's not going to sleep? Especially when you're that tired, you know? Yeah. And so I remember one time I I went to sleep, and so she comes flying up there with a book and smacks me over the head. And I'm pretty sure I got knocked out, because the next thing I remember, I wake up on the floor. Good heavens. The amount of abuse is just... Makes me sick. And I'm oh, sure my siblings have way more stories. You you've know? only heard the tip of the iceberg of the abuse. And it's one thing, you know, looking at your face now, you're 17 years old, right? And when you talk about that, it's important for viewers to remember, and I'm also trying to remind myself without... When you tell these stories, I'm picturing you right now, right? Which is an awful thing. What do you take one second to put you as an eight-year-old boy again? Yeah. <clears throat> Our little girl's almost seven. That's so little to have an adult hurt a child. And the <laughs> But it's an important thing to remember as people are sharing their stories to put it into perspective so for our viewers i want you to think of the closest eight-year-old that you know to you and imagine someone doing that to that child because that's the only way it hurts and it's so sad to hear but it's the only way for it to hit your heart in a way that you watch out for the children around you and you try to change and help the people that need this kind of help it has to hurt a little and from, from a mom's point of view, um, it was my baby. He was my five-year-old, and Jeff and I had been separated for almost five years, so he was like my comfort, my moment, and the minute I was lost that, he suddenly became, suddenly he was to toe the line, be at those classes, I mean, and they tell a story, maybe Kyle can remember this, and I don't know, but where they throw him on the floor and smack his head time and time again, and throw him out on the ice cold stairs through and downstairs my fire. That was brought in. My baby. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard the story but, but I didn't you don't really remember what missed that one. But yeah. you know, so, and another so things, time where Rachel came after him with running chainsaw. That was Kate. Or excuse me, skill saw. Skill saw. A cordless like a skill saw. Like a cordless skill saw blade. Telling turning. him he will kill him. You know She would have murdered us. I no doubt yeah. about it. She if she could have she would have murdered us. Any one of us. It was a lot to take in when they started telling us. Yeah. And these are things that are happening right here yes. in the United States of America. I mean, yes. th th well, this isn't yes, some third world out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, this is very real. Well, my question is, is it still happening today? I mean, yes. this was, oh, I yes, should Kyle. What did you see with her own children? I would I would go to bed and I would hear him every single night. I would hear him down there screaming bloody murder. And I couldn't go down there because it was the girls' section, but, you know, that's, I just hear them screaming. That's how it was. So even their own children suffered the same kind of abuse that you guys suffered? or yeah, I think so, yeah, because, I, like I said, I would, I would hear them screaming every time I went to bed. For like an hour, I'd hear them down there screaming bloody murder. This is why people need help. We need to get those kids some help. Yes, 
and to realize that kids that are being trafficked by the FLDS are not safe. This type of stuff is going on today in America. There was another instance where they shoved him on the ground for whatever reason. They were pissed off at him. Marie and her girls and Peanut grabbed each one of his legs, went and threw him in his room and gave him another three-day sentence. But not only that, Peanut got pissed off. She stole his hammer after the incident, and so she was pissed off, and she grabbed his hammer and was threatening him because he was disobeying. I was watching this from my bed, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to murder you and she goes pulls the hammer up like this and goes to hit at him and he dodges out of the way luckily so it didn't hit him but it would have went right in his head and what kind of i mean you have the eight siblings right and it must have been incredibly painful to see all of these different things happening to siblings how much fear was there of if you intervened with your siblings abuse it was going to come back at you five times more exactly if you hear somebody yelling you just walk away and that's, that's what I did. Yeah, no, I couldn't do anything. As far as I wanted to, I wanted to do something. I just, I remember thinking, I hope he just shuts up and does what they say and stops fighting or he's going to get hurt, you know? Yeah, because you're in survival mode, right? Like, just survive the situation and... The older ones told me that they would somewhat try to interfere so that the pressure would be on them. For instance, one day, the kids came in through the door and tracked mud on a the mop floor that was just mopped. I watched And this. so and no, the kids were getting screamed at. It was snow. Well, she, yeah, you go ahead and we, tell more we about We tracked her. snow because it was winter in Colorado, so we tracked snow on the floor, and she, Pina had just mopped it. And so she got pissed off at us and started chasing us. And like I said before, Ron would get the anger on her so she the kids wouldn't hurt us. And so she went and got snow and stomped on the floor so they'd be pissed off at her. And Bring so she her. got pissed off, and Ron went to do her laundry, and Peanut comes in with a big damn thing of boiling water. It was like, you know, yay big, big tub of water, hot boiling water, just dumps it on her. Throw it Burned the hell out of her too. And I watched it. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know what happened. I just, she just, Peanut just comes around and dumps hot water on I'm like, what the f you know? But she, she was telling me, she looked at it like whatever it took, even if they kill me to protect my little brothers. And I would like to point out that all of this stuff is documented in the journals. What date, what time, when it took place. Six journals every single day. The no evidence is there. Overwhelming evidence. Wow. <sighs> so horrific. And oh, the, idea, the idea that any type of saving would have to be done by other children is absolutely... That would be terrifying. Abhorrent. Like, the idea that children are, would have to feel any kind of responsibility of saving other children. Because at eight years old, that is not your responsibility. It's not the job of another 13-year-old or a sister or a brother. And you guys are just all children and victims in it. And the fact that they made you feel like, I have to protect them or else nobody else will because there's no adults in my life that will protect the children is... Uh, unbelievable. Me, they told me they had a hope that one of them's life would be taken because then they would have to call us in. Oh and so the, they were all like, no, I'll be the one to have my life taken. I'll and be the one to be in it. And even clear, it, uh, pretty much at the first, that's kind of how I was. I remember holding my breath one time trying to, you know, die so we could get some help. Oh my gosh. So at this point... Kyle, uh, obviously uh, your parents didn't know what was going on. They had no idea what was going on. But 
did it did there come a point where regardless of what they were telling you about your parents were you just wanting to get back to your parents i didn't see that as an option i just wanted out i wanted it to end did you think that if you got out it would be without your parents anyway like that wasn't an option was death the only option i couldn't think i didn't have time to think about it I, it was so focused on surviving in the moment i couldn't think about the future or the present or i mean or the past so survival is in survival survival is all i had yeah. survive this day survive the next hour survive the next minute yeah are there so, any other specific stories or moments before we move on to the what happens next that you, you wanted want to, to share you want to share i do want to share um something you were saying about the kids it's not their responsibility right yeah. they told us that if one of your siblings or somebody else sins it's your fault if one of you is going to hell you're all going to hell if one of you sins it's on all of you wow and i remember one time i don't remember what it was but we did some Tina got pissed off. She lined us all up. This is actually one of my favorite memories of my brothers. And she's all questioning us. She's like, yeah, if you don't tell us, if you don't tell me who it was, then I'm going to punish you all. And none of us said anything. I was so proud of my siblings for that. We didn't, we, we all took the punishment, but none of us said anything. But that was a good thing because if we would have, they would have been beat up or, you know. Yeah. I, I'd just like to point out really fast here is as of a dad as tender as I was and as much as I I do love my kids and I did back then had I known about this there is no mountain or ocean that would have been big enough in either direction that would have stopped me from getting my kids and I would not have cared who knew or who tried to stop me I would have gone and got them and got them out had I had any way of knowing right yeah, of course. And I, I mean, it just makes it that much heartbreaking that you had no idea. You, you had no idea what was going on during all of this. It nearly, it tore me up so bad when I found out. And, and this might be um, hard to get into the heads of the evil people, of the abusers. Why do you think they thought the kids were, I don't want to say worth the trouble, but like if they're abusing you and they're constantly mad at you, what were their motivations for keeping you instead of just being like, go to your parents, we don't want to deal with you? They used them all the dishes for, for all them. kinds of different we did things. storehouse work for them. Like harvest tomatoes. Tell about the tomatoes. Um, tomatoes. Like harvest, uh, they, were, they had contracts. FLDS had contracts for cedar berries. I don't know if they were picking them for making gin and, or something. I don't know. But uh, there was a tomato field that they were... Um, making money on these tomatoes and these kids were out there picking the tomatoes and weeding the tomatoes and cultivating them it was absolute slave labor and they had people watching out for if anyone came to see then they, the kids were to scramble and get out of there so that they wouldn't get caught with the slave labor law enforcement yeah hey okay, how big was this tomato field Kyle can you tell them more about it tomato field it was tomato field. not in Colorado in it, Canab. Was, it was in Canab Okay, but it was when we lived in Colorado City, yeah. then it was one of the storehouse projects they made us do. They would send us to the tomato field, and it was midsummer. It was really hot outside, and they wouldn't really give us any food or water, especially water. And so, and my sister told me that she was so desperate, she, lang 
she got down in the tomatoes and drank the water from the row and ate tomatoes. And if she would have got caught doing that, she would have been in big trouble. And for people who don't know where Kanab is, that's in southern Utah in the desert. So. And how, how long of a day did you have doing that? How long were you all working day. out there? All day. What do you mean? Like all Eight day? Eight hours, starting, 10 hours. Right starting after class when in we the got up, Right after class, we'd go straight out there and start working. Till the sun went down. Till the sun went down, or till we till it was time to go, so we could get to class. Yeah, time for class. And keep in mind, we're, we're still on the class schedule. We're still not having enough sleep. We still have to pray hourly. You know, that's all going on while all this other stuff is happening. The, your hourly prayers. Was there anything specific you were supposed to be praying for? For the prophet to get out of prison. He's gonna magically break the bars and get out of prison. And we're all going to Zion. We're gonna be saved. You know what? Zion was a ranch, and it was more. It was pretty.